Okay, Shalom Aleichem. Um, we are up to chapters. So this this class is chapters 18 and 19 smushed in. Yes, uh, last week we did 16 and 17, but we did like we did 16 and 17. Today we're doing 18 and 19, like smushed together. They're really one Indian, and um and um it's not it's not particularly difficult, it's not particularly difficult information. Um, uh, but it's it's foundational. You could argue that maybe chapter eighteen is the is um is the most fundamental chapter in Tanya. You could definitely argue that with another couple of other chapters would be in the running, but it's definitely up there in the you know in the in the four most important chapters of Tanya in my in my opinion. Um, so I don't know if you remember, but last last week. We basically discussed the idea of creating emotions using our mind. And we said that there's two kinds of emotions. There's genuine palpable emotions where the heart pumps in a different, the heart pumps differently. The physio physiology of the mensch is, is changed. Um, you need a really powerful mind for that. Like Yol and I, like I mentioned this last year, Yol and I were in, uh, in Mexico a few months ago and we we watched rabbi daniel katz who has a you know he's a, a goyan mamash and he's the kind of person who can generate real palpable emotions not just in himself but in other people as well but most of us don't have minds that are so powerful we can't conjure up such rich intense imagery um so creating a palpable emotion um is not is not always realistic maybe never realistic. So then he gave us the second rate option, which is creating a conviction in the in the heart or conviction really, it's a conviction in the mind. Meaning, look, I don't feel it, but I know it's true and it makes sense. Like we live a lot of our life like that. We're not like emotionally connected to the thing, but we know it's the right thing to do. Like, you know, like learning with our kids on Shabbos afternoon. We're not into it. But we do it because we know, I and mean, maybe you are into it, sometimes you are, but but, but we do it because we know it's the right thing to do. And we're very clear that it's the right thing to do. And that's enough to motivate us to actually do it. And that's Givaldic. That was chapter 17 in the Tanya, 16 and 17. That is that is Mamash Givaldic. Do not underestimate it. Just because you're not like bouncing out of your Kalim with, with actual emotions. Um, that's very, very good. But now the Rebbe goes into the next level which is the stage where you can't even do that. You don't even have the ability to generate a conviction, let alone an actual emotion. Now what? And the Rebbe here says, it's all good. Don't worry, because we got you covered also with this as well. And he introduces what's called the Ava Masuseres. The Ava Masuseres means the hidden love, the concealed love. Um, and he basically jumps in with three questions. And I'm going to add like a fourth question because he answers like, I couldn't see. But the three questions he asked, the famous three questions are, yeah, what is the root of this love? And what is it? That's one question. Um, how can you inherit love? Because it's an inherited love. How does one inherit love? And how is fear nichlal in this love? And then there's a fourth question, which he doesn't answer, but he answers. He doesn't ask, but he answers, which is, why is it called a hidden love? OK, so we're going to try and understand these questions. So number one is, what is the root of this love? And, and what is this love? What is it? Um, it's inherited. But what does that mean you inherit a love? How can you inherit a love? I can understand you can inherit a loving nature. Like if you're a very, if a father is very lovable, then the child, it's very reasonable to assume the child will be very love, a loving person. But you can't, you can't predict what he will love. This is a love of God. So it's an inherited love. So how does that work with love? How do you inherit an actual love, not a loving nature? And how is fear nichlal in this love? How is yira incorporated or included in this love? Um, and then my fourth question, which is not there, is why is it called hidden? Okay, so we're going to try and answer these questions. So the root of this love, we're going to move quite quickly and say quite a lot of things. 
Um, the root of this love, um, what is this love? So it's not really a love in the conventional way that we use the term love. Love, see, love is a meter. We have Ava and Yira. Yeah, that's quite low down in the system. That's that's emotional. That comes after intellect. Um, so love can be described on that level. Love can be described. I think the best the best model for it is a little kiss. If you kiss, yeah, it's interesting. What do you actually do when you kiss? If you think about the actual, what is it? What you do? It's just like well, a little, yeah. no, the opposite. It's a little suck. It's just a little suck. You suck in. That's what it is. It's interesting, by the way, because when you want to show distaste, you might go, you, you would spit out in a sense. It's very deep, very deep. A kiss is very deep in you. So really, that is love. Love is the idea of consuming X. It's not even you want to go to it. It's you want to bring it into you. I love pizza is not particularly different to I love my kid in when they're being really cute and you want to eat them. It's not actually a particularly different love. <laughs> the love for our children is a different love, but that feeling of I just want to like eat you. I've heard women say that many times. Yeah, that's that's this idea, this idea of of of, of bringing in. It's making you more. That's the that's very important. Love is not selfless. Bichlau. Bichlau. Love on this level, the emotion of love is I want to become more and I'm going to bring you into me. I'm going to swallow you in a sense. Look at the mission about swallowing, about if it wasn't for Malchus, it wasn't for Yira, the year of the Malchus would swallow each other. Um, so, so this love is not like that at all. Okay. So a regular love is, um, this isn't a bad thing, by the way, this is, I know I, I made it sound like a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It, that's just, this is just what love is. It needs to be tempered with, it needs to be tempered with Yira. Um, and it needs to be expressed in the right place, etc. But this isn't a this isn't like that at all. This love, this Ava Masuseres, this hidden love, this latent natural love that the soul has for God is a love where it wants to expire into God. The analogy that the Rebbe gives is of a candle. So in this world, you've got the gravitational pull where if I hold a stone, you know, I hold my mouse and I drop my mouse, it falls down and it becomes more, it, it becomes more, it becomes more solid, more comfortable, its existence has been solidified. It was falling through the air and it lands and, and it stops. And, and that's how that's how gravity works. That's the things of this world. Whereas the, the candle, the motion of the candle is flickering off of the wick and it's trying to pull itself off of the wick. Yeah, for two reasons. Number one, it doesn't want to be here. And number two, it's trying to go back to what's called the Galgala Aish, which is the Makor of fire, whatever that is, some kind of sphere, stratosphere around the world, whatever. Um, and it will be Nikhlal into that fire. And it will not, like, imagine you have a match, yeah? You light a match and you throw the match into the bonfire. Now try and point to that fire for the match. It doesn't exist. So, so it's not that the, this, it doesn't want to be more bichlal. It's the opposite mamash. It wants to not be here. And it also wants to not be there. It's the very opposite of a stone. A stone wants to fall down and land and be whatever. But the candle wants to rip itself away from this. From, and that's the Jewish soul. And that's this, that's this love. This love is not a love of I want more. It's a love of I want to be nichlal into God. That's what this love is. So it's not really a love in the conventional way that we use the word love. Okay. So that's what it is. Okay. It's a um a uh, an attraction to its source 
where it will become nullified completely. That's what it is. Okay. And how can love be an inheritance? So the the avoice, this is a very important idea. The avoice were not like good people. I mean, they were they were also good people. <laughs> but the the avoys were mamash a makova for the Abodashroidan. The others were mamash godly. They embodied elokus. It wasn't that they were just acting in a godly way and they were good guys and the hula, yeah? That was also true. But they were actually, they the, the mahus of who they were was mamash godly. And that means their children, you and me, are also godly. Just like human beings give birth to human beings and lahavdil, monkeys give birth to monkeys and seahorses give birth to seahorses, so too, Avram Yitzhak and Yankov, Lahavdil, who were mamash elokus embodied, they were mamash godly, they have given birth to godly offspring. That's you and me. And just as a side point, the uh, the toast of the Noitzrim, by selecting one Yid and calling him God, is not, I mean, it's, you know, they missed the mark infinitely, but it's not actually that far off. The, the truth of the matter, the way I understand it, is that really Am Yisrael is what they're, I don't think they're meant to worship us, but, but Am Yisrael is the Indian of God incarnate in this world as a nation. That's what Am Yisrael is. That's what it means, the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah is the indwelling presence of God. The Shekhinah is the Makor of Nishmas Yisrael, called Knesset Yisrael. That's God incarnate in this world. Isn't that what they say? They just say he came into one guy. But that's not correct. But what is correct is that the Yidden as a nation embody Hashem in his world. Okay, so when we say that we inherited this love, it's not that we inherited a loving nature. That might also be true as well. But we inherited the genes. We we just like, you know, like if your dad's black, you're black. Yeah, our dad was godly, so we're godly. And that's this love. So it is an inherited love. And it's natural to the soul. Everyone's clear? It's clear? Okay. Now, how's fear nichlal in this love? That's a good question. Yeah, sure. So, how do how do Yishmael and Esau fit into that? So, Esau's more complicated. I mean, Yishmael was from a different was from Hagar, so he was that's that's a little easier to answer up. Um, I mean, I know there was a process of bureau that went through that it was the Pesoilus of Abraham that came out in Yishmael, and it was the Pesoilus of, of uh, Yitzhak that came out in Esav. Um, but it, the Esav thing is a very good question. Like how can it be that, that you know, he came, you know, he came from Rivka and, and uh, you know, from, from Yitzhak and Rivka and his Mamasha Rasha Marusha? That's a very good question. I don't, I'm, I don't know the answer to that question. Um yeah, so now how is fear year and nichlal in this love? And again, it's a slightly different take on what fear is from the regular, like the regular, the 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 regular um the conventional way that we use fear. Western no, really, it's the the system, the Tanya system of of Avra and Yira, but the the conventional that we use Yira is is this this wanting to make a distance, and Ava, where Ava is, I want to bring you to me. Yira is, I want to remove myself from you. It's it's more if you want to get really nuanced. It's not so much I want to push you away. It's I want to move away from you. That has enough caminas later on. I'm not going to get into that right now. But 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 that's what year it is. It's a see year to call it fear is not. It doesn't do it justice because the be, the best way of understanding year in context of our human relationship with our wife is the 
the the desire to give her space. It's a reverence. It's an awe. In in a human relationship, in in godly relationship, I think it's better to translate it as awe. I agree, but in a human relationship, the way Rav, Rav Taub explains, it, I think is the best way I've heard, is he calls it a respect. It's it's the ability to step back and let her be, let her be. Which is which is you know, some people are just plain and push it fearful of their wife. <laughs> That could be, that could be. But the idea is, the idea is that she, in a sense, becomes more real to you than you are to yourself. That's really the idea of fear, which means you back off and you give her space. So this fear is not like that. This fear is basically a, a an intolerance, an inability, whatever, a fear of having that connection to god broken so he gives the example when when um when someone puts a gun to a yid's head and he doesn't say your religion or your life because you shouldn't be religious that's the worst thing in the world um that if he says your god or your life if he says your religion or your life he say take my religion please i don't want i all I want to be is I want to be the most irreligious person I can be. I want nothing at all to do with religion. So, so um, if he says your God or your life, yeah, or Shemechad or bow to the idol, yeah, then the fear of this love, meaning the fear latent in the love, this what's the word? Not inability. This like. Um, how to say inability like that to the nth degree, like not able to. In add in here what you said in capacity, not not great. Better maybe, but not great. The, the inability, like, but I'll explain. You're telling me the word. The it like <laughs> I need the word to explain it. You can't even imagine it. You can't unfathomable. Yeah, but like you, it's the inability to bow to the idol means it's so like repulsive to you, you couldn't you couldn't imagine doing it. Inconceivable. Not, inconceivable, maybe that it's inconceivable. No, but that's not the noun of that's like like you you're unable. It means you can't even begin to think about it. Yeah, exactly. You got you understand what I'm saying. There's a word for it. Well, anyway, but it that's this fear that's nichlal in the Ava Masuseres. You can't even imagine breaking your Kesha to the Rabbeinu You can't even imagine. So, so that's called the the, the fear that's in the love. And that isn't a regular fear. Like I said, the regular fear is I'm giving you space. You're more real. You're, you're Mamasha Matsyas. That's why, that's why, that's why Yira is the foundation of our relationship with the Shem, not Ava. The Rebbe says that explicitly later on. That that Yira is because without Yira, you might not be in a relationship with God. Everyone likes to do stuff for people, hopefully. You know, it's not it doesn't take a big man to get off on buying his wife a diamond ring. Yeah. Who doesn't like to buy his wife a diamond ring? You know, if you've got the money or you could do something. <laughs> but to turn the air conditioning off when she's cold and you're hot, now she's a Mercedes. That that means she exists. So you need the era to get to the Ava. You well, or or to say, yeah, or say another way, it's love dafka Ava if there isn't Yira first. There's no Yira, correct. It might yeah. just be self, it might just be um. You know, you just like buying stuff for people. I like, you know, I like buying stuff for people. Everyone has buying stuff. Any healthy person would like to buy things for people. So, so the year is the prayer. So, but this year is a different thing. It's the it's the the inconceivableness of being dislocated or separated from God, and that's a natural thing in our soul. Now. To answer up why, because now the question is, well, I don't feel this. And this is the reason why it's called a hidden love. Because in us regular people who are primarily experiencing the world through the eyes of the nefesh of the hummus, yeah, our, our 
default experience of the world is as a human being, not as a, not as of a Jew. Okay. Now, if we are zeicher to be davening a lot and learning a lot and involved in Torah and mitzvahs, then we might we might be able to be experienced in the world majority of the day through the eyes of the Jew. But but minastama, our regular experience of the world is through the through our human side. Remember, Jew is a human being with an neshama. So you're a human, very much like a goy. There there's there's differences, but 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 not not particularly different. Yeah, just like uh, just like um, a chafe piece of meat is not particularly different to a kosher piece of meat. It it might be different to a Jew, but lemaisa it looks the same, it tastes the same, it it, it costs the same, it weighs the same, etc. Yeah, that's that's the that would be a similar comparison. So um, so so our default our default perspective is human. And it's that default perspective of ours that covers over this love. And that's why it's called an Ava Masuseris, a hidden love. So the Rebbe calls it, it's it's Malubish in a Lavush sack, the Kleeper, like um like sackcloth. It's it's covered in the shell of the the of the of the Kleeper that the Al that Al Bahamis comes from. Okay, so we don't experience it. On an on a day to day level, that's why it's called the Ava Masuseris. Okay, so we had our three questions. The re- I'm sorry, I should just say four, but it's important because the Rebbe really asked three questions, and I added on a fourth one, so I don't want to say. So we had like the three questions of the Rebbe, but the Rebbe answered like the fourth question, a fourth answer. So I tell this question. So basically, the three questions plus one were, what is this love? And we explained that it's a a yearning to go back to God, to merge back with Hashem. We said, how can love be an inheritance? Because the Avois were mamash godly. So we inherited just like like a human being gives birth to a human child. A godly being gives birth to a godly child. How is fear nichlal in this love? Because we're pashad we're Pasha Mafachaid of having this Kesha broken. And then why is it called hidden? Because our our default perspective is human and that conceals this love because this love is coming from the other soul. Um, by the way, just as a side point, this is the definition of, of Gullus. This is a really important thing. This is worth waking up for just to hear this. When I heard this for the first time, I fell off my chair. Definition of gallus is the inability to express yourself. Finished. Now, that means that Kozman, we are doing averas or not doing mitzvahs. That means that our nefesh al-akis is in gallus. Why? Because the nefesh al-akis wants to express herself by doing Torah and mitzvahs. So if we're blocking her expression by eating pizza and going to nightclubs, she's in gullus. She's not being able to express herself. That's gullus. That's the the problem. In Yana de Yoma, what what's the problem with these with 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 the shavuim, the the hostages? Why is that bad? Let let's say they're not being mistreated. Let's say I hope. Let's say they're not being mistreated. So what's wrong? It's the same in Yuna's prison. Their expression, they can't be who they are. They're being co- contained in a way that means they can't express themselves. That's the whole concept of prison, of being of being incarcerated. That's called Gallus. And now we understand Gallus Ashkina. What's Gallus Ashkina? The cosmic level, this world is called if you can say such a thing, the goof of Hashem. Yeah, the best way of saying it is it's called Levushim. This world, Oilam Hazer, including all of the Oilamus, meaning all of creation, is called Levushe Hashem. They're his Levush. What's Hashem's deepest desire? Torah and Mitzvahs. 
Kozman, the world isn't being misnaheg with Torah mitzvahs. He's not getting to express himself. Shechina's in Galus. That's called Galus Shechina. Simple. It's not an elusive, loose term. It's very, very simple, very clear. Kozman, the world isn't isn't living by the Torah, which really just means that the Jews aren't living by the Torah because then everything else will fall into place. Kozman, the Jews aren't living by the Torah. That means Hashem isn't being able to express himself into his world. That means he's in prison, so to speak. That's called Galas Hashchina. That's Galas. So it's the Indian of not being able to express yourself. That was a side point, but that was that's quite an important side point. Just a quick question. Yeah, sure. Is that applied to our relationships as well? Let's say between a spouse, I don't know about a parent and child, but at least let's say a spouse. If one spouse doesn't feel comfortable expressing themselves, is that a gullus of that yeah, relationship? 100%. 100%. And your wife is, you're meant to be expressing yourself through your wife. So if you're treating her badly, not you, if someone's treating their wife badly and she kind of clams up and goes neged him then he goes into gullus because he can't he needs to express himself through he his wife is intrinsic that's the goof neshama relationship it's all the same relationship the zohar nekeva relationship is kli or goof neshama um zohar nekeva um um um, um, seichel midas uh, midas um, levushim ratzon seichel every level where there's a mashpia to the makabul is the same inyan. It's just in different contexts. We use different you know different symbols, different uh, different symbol uh, like whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now let's move into the next part of the class. So. We're just putting these now. See, this is one of the most important. This, all of that was quite. It was nice, but this is this is really the important. This is this is the reason why Peret Yudches is of the uh, you know of the Ica Prakim in Tanya. Um, is the Inyan of Messias Nefesh. The, the. Um, One moment. The place where this love kind of lives, it's not it's not of the Midas, yeah. The place where this love really lives is in Hochma. It's not that this love lives in Hochma, it's that the Rabbi Shloilam is present in our soul in the level of Hochma. Okay. I'll explain why. The the Chokhmah is the Makor of Seichel. So the cognitive mind begins at Bina. The analytical cognitive mind begins in Bina. Chokhmah is not about understanding. Remember we discussed Chokhmah Bina Das and we described them as Chokhmah discovers, Bina develops, and Das identifies. Okay? So what's discovering got to do with understanding? Nothing. Developing has got to do with understanding. Discovering is you just see, you find something. But I always think, I don't know if you ever, anyone saw that film uh, Terminator, the original one? Yeah? From a few years ago. When um, they... He went back in a time machine, yeah? And after they killed him, I th- oh, actually, it was in Terminator 2. They f- they had, like, the chip. They found the chip from him because he came from the future. He went back into the past to kill the gu- whatever. I'm not going to get into the story. The mice of the second one, they had built an entire um, company because they had found a bit of a chip from this this robot that was from... 50 years in the future, whatever. So they found this like this broken piece of a chip. That that idea of just finding, like imagine finding a, a you know a microchip from a machine that's from 50 years in the future, 
you don't understand it, but you're like, wow. It's like it's like you think about what happened to Chris Yamsuf. I always think about this. You you know, we were all standing by the yam, yeah. We had the mitzvah coming from behind us, and the whole there was a big matzah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, the sea starts to split. Like, what what do you think people were saying to each other? They weren't saying anything. They were just like this. They're just looking. They were just, their minds shorted. And the youngest children were experiencing the same thing as the, as the parents. They're just, there's no, you don't understand. No, no one knows. That, that's that's Hochma. Hochma's humble. Hochma's an anav, which means it it's just looking to see. It just wants to see. It doesn't care about understanding. That's Bina. That's for Bina. Bina, Bina is chalashing to understand. But Chochmah just wants to see. So that's why Chochmah is, is, is Re'iya, seeing, and Bina is Shmir, is hearing. So that's why the Boinashoilim can exist in, in the Chochmah of our soul the panemius of the Chokhmah of our soul. Why? Because you can't grasp Hashem. You can't understand God. No thought can, can comprehend God. You can't understand him with your intellect. You can see him if he allows himself to be seen. As in, you can see him, your soul sees God. Because you don't need to understand. It's like you can see anything Obviously, you can't see God. It doesn't have a physical thing to look at physically. But what the way the the way the the way to understand Hochma's relationship to God is that it's the part of your soul that sees Him. It's 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 genuinely aware. It's genuinely experiencing Him. That doesn't mean it's like feeling stuff, like physiological things. It's just seeing. So that's a very that's a very intense connection. Mitzad Echad, Mitzad Shani is very fleeting because the minute the eyes discon that's why we that's why we did the Cheta Eagle like a couple of days after Matan Torah because Matan Torah was Kulu Re'ia. We saw the sounds. It was Kulu Re'ia. Everything was about seeing. And then the minute the sight gets cut off, if you don't now take that and run with the bina and process it and 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 bring it into your kishka's mamush, it's just like it came, it went. That's so so there's there's two sides to, to re'ia and bina. They have an advantage and a disadvantage. The advantage of re'ia is while you're seeing it, it's and I don't want to get into this whole thing now because it will take us too off track. But it's a very it's for another time. But the, the to talk about Re'iyah and Shmia, which is Reuven and Shimon, is uh, is uh, is uh, is is really really helpful and important. But 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 the point is that the Chochma of the soul sees God, to say you know so to speak sees God. The Bina of the soul can hear God, but that's not as that's not as real as seeing like seeing is believing that's what we say and that's why chokhmah is the pesach to emuna to call chokhmah emuna you can maybe do that but but the reason see emuna now this is really important we've got three kinds of emuna okay we'll call it jewish jewish i'm making these terms up but they're quite helpful i think jewish emuna Human, well, let's call it belief. Jewish emuna, human belief, and then blind faith. Let's call it like that. Yeah, I, 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 um, not challenge you. I, I, I recommend to spend a few moments and look for the proofs of Islam. Spend like spend a few minutes looking for the proofs of the divinity of the Quran and of Islam. It's Pasha pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic that people believe that. Like Pasha. Not nothing. 
is it's so like when you look at the proofs of the Torah, national revelation that's never been repeated, an unbroken chain of of uh, of of um, of of father son Rebbe uh, Rebbe Talmud that's unbroken for three thousand three hundred years, the festivals that celebrate on a on a national level and constant the the Torah saying in first in second person you saw this you explained that and like these very compelling proofs yeah very compelling and then you listen to what they say about the quran you're like that is almost ridiculous and most of them never even read the quran most of them can't even read anyway when you look at the two two million two billion of them in the world you know a vast majority of them are even illiterate so what's that is that faith so the three levels of faith there's jewish faith then there's human faith, which is very commendable. Then there is blind faith, which is mamash repulsive and disgusting. And it's the showesh of, of what of what's going on in the world right now with these mamash crackheads. Yeah. That that's blind faith. You can you believe in Islam, you could believe in whatever you want. Why not? I believe. It's beyond reason. Believe in something beyond reason. So what's Jewish faith and human faith? So we're gonna we'll leave blind faith out because that's my much crazy. Yeah. So human faith, I wrote, I wrote down a little, I wrote a little thing down. I'll read it for you word for word. Okay. By the way, you should know on, on the website on Benalia, you'll you can get access to all of the I, I make these sheets each week. Like a lot of uh everything's written down in these sheets. And I, I hope it's quite uh should be quite, you know, there's probably a lot of mistakes. So I don't I don't uh, edit it but but it should be quite like um full okay so it says like this for example this is this is what we'd call uh human amuna it makes sense that creation was created that makes sense and when i look around at the complexity and ingenuity of creation i conclude by way of deduction that the creator must be intelligent that's also a sensible thing to say so being intelligent, I rationally assume that he created the world for a purpose. That also makes sense, yeah? Is it, do I, can I prove it? No, but it makes sense. It would make more sense than the other option. So that being the case, I now logically assume that he most likely at some point in history revealed his purpose to creation. Do I know that for sure? No, but if he's an if there's a creator and it appears to me that he's intelligent, and intelligence does stuff for reasons, then it could be a good, there's a good chance that he revealed his purpose to creation at some point. And assuming this, um, so is it, assuming this is the most likely scenario, I have now, I must now research the options available that claim revelation. Okay, so it doesn't mean that I now just believe in, in the Torah or in, but I now have at least a reason to do some research. Clearly, the Torah, believed to be authentic by all world religions, must be the starting point of my research. If my research corroborates all my assumptions, I believe. That's called human belief. And not only is that commendable, but we as Yidden are to have that belief as well. Don't forget, we're a human with a neshama. So the neshama believes at a level above this that we'll explain in a minute as well, Tashem. But that's all very nice for the neshama. But what about you? You need to research this. You need to, you need to, I, I got into this. I have a, a cousin in England. He's like an Ivy school guy who's, um, who's a, a mummish and atheist. Like he's more religious than, most of the yidden that I know with his atheism and we've had this like seven year backward and forward um you know thousands of like, dozens and dozens hundreds of pages of writing to each other whatever and I I'm so grateful for that experience because I got really clear my human soul got to believe in God on a very human level which is very important very important so so that's that's human belief. Human belief is logic. It makes sense. Again, I I I I I um um I I commend you, not commend you, I recommend you to look into the proofs that they have for for Noetius and for Islam. 
um, and to see just how based on blind faith these they are. They really are. It's ridiculous. Their belief in God might not be. Their belief in good could be could be very much human. But the fact that they adhere to these doctrines and these whatever, that's very much blind. Yeah. So anyway, so that's human faith. Emuna by a Jew is what we said before. It's the fact that your soul sees God finished. It's not based in reason, Bichlal. Just like when you're looking at someone, how do you know he's in front of you? That's a stupid question. Leave me alone. I'm looking at him. That's the that's the faith of your soul. That's Jewish faith. And that you don't really have to do much to, you don't have to do anything to get there. You have to do things to to remove your to remove the the the, the feeling of that, like that to, to sink into your neshama, that's just there. Okay, the human faith takes a lot of research, takes a lot of takes a lot of backwards and forwards of processing, of analyzing, of researching, etc. The Jewish faith doesn't take that at all. But but the Jewish faith is is immutable and is because the Misa, my human faith, if I'm an open person, I could be open to being proven wrong. But you can't prove to me that I'm not looking at God. That's the that's the Jewish faith. And so it comes out that these two kinds of faith, Jewish faith and human faith, Jewish and Muna human faith, are what give rise to Jewish Messias Nefesh and human Messias Nefesh. And to get, we've spoken about this many times, but to get this clear is, is paramount, of paramount importance. Human Messias Nefesh is when you have identified with an ideology. Let's just quickly, let's just make it simple, call it an ideology. Human Messias Nefesh is when you have identified so deeply and profoundly with an ideology that your sense of self has become so enmeshed with this ideology that you can't tell the difference between yourself and the ideology and if someone threatens your ideology you will give up your life that is called human self-sacrifice and if that ideology is a good ideology then you're doing well that's great you've you've um that that's a that's a madrigo huh I was just saying, but if not, you have Hamas and you have it, it, it can go either way. Bid you, So if if you're giving up your life because you've decided that that ridding, you know, ridding Africa of malaria is your purpose, and you will endanger your life to to help these poor people not have to suffer, then you that that, that is a human being who has achieved the highest level of humanity. Let's assuming that that's assuming that ridding Africa of malaria is a good thing. I'm assuming it is. Or like you have these Rishayim that we're that we're that we're looking at right now, who are, who who have identified so deeply with a Stuyot, with a Rishus, that they're prepared to give out their life for it. That's the lowest level of a human being. That's human self-sacrifice. And in truth, there's nothing really, it's not really a self-sacrifice. It's really a self-preservation. What's happened is the person has now come to this place where his ideology is more real than his body. So I'm not gonna give up my, my, my ideology. That's self-preservation. Jewish self-sacrifice which is explained in Perik Yudches, is expressed by the Rebbe by giving the example of an unaffiliated, basically a secular Jew, giving up his life. When a Goy turns around to him and says, Hashem Echad, or your life. The Yid not every time, but majority of cases, and even if it happens once, it proves the case. But on the majority, in the majority of cases, there are things that can block this. Okay, but in the majority of cases, put a gun to a secular Jew's head, who's got nothing to do with Yiddishkeit, and say to him, "Hashem Echad, 
either either bow to this idol or I end your life. And he will give up his life. Why? Because it's not um not optional. It's not um what's the word? It's not an option. It's not negotiable. No, thank you. It's not negotiable. It's not negotiable. My soul is looking at God. And you're now threatening to break that connection. I am compelled to give up my life. And and you know what the Rebbe says? It, it, well, what my Rebbe said, what Ravana said to me when he's describing this, is the guy could be being dragged to the gas chamber obviously that he he chose that thinking why am i doing this his conscious mind could be telling him not to do this but the fact that his soul has is seeing god and is being threatened that's remember we spoke about the fear being michal in the love that's when this explodes and the soul is now feeling so threatened that the soul basically um trumps the rest of the system so even though the thinking mind could be saying don't be a nut what are you doing you don't care about god you don't care about religion you don't care about mitzvahs the Yid could still be compelled to give up his life because it's coming from his soul's experience of God. That's Lamala Minatam Vadas. That's got nothing to do with logic. Everyone's with me? This is Jewish Messias Nefesh. So I'll just finish off by giving you a few. Uh, a couple of uh, he brings a couple of psukim, and this is the Indian is think of Kadusha like a dial. Yeah, on one end of the scale, you've got Paro that says Aniva Afsi Oid, and on the other edge of other other end of the dial, you've got Moshe that says Ain Od Milvadri. The reason why a human being can't look at God and live. When we're talking not the way the soul sees it, but in a sense, but why why Moshe wasn't able to look at God's face and his back is because if you were to look at reality in the face, Mamush, you don't exist. You're just a you're a dependent reality. You're a uh, what's it called? A Matsyas Sefshari. You're just a you're so so if Hashem was to show you true reality, by definition, you would not be able to see it because that. It's you. You're not something separate from that. So as the dial is turned, it's either way. As you as you turn up the level of Kedusha, by definition, the Klippa and Sitra Achra just starts to dissolve away. It can't stand. It can't be. As you see that Hashem, the more you see Hashem Echad, the more you real, the more you realize, ain't Shani, <laughs> and I'm Shani. So the more he turns up the dial of the Erchad, the more the Shani disappears. So the Rebbe just he brings four four psukim. Yeah, he brings chalakim of them, but I'll bring. I'll tell you the psukim. I, you can again. I'm not going to give you the. Uh, you can just you can get, download the thing if you want to see it yourself. Okay, the first one's from Mishiau. Kol hagoyim ka'ayin negdai. All of the goyim are like nothing to you. Remember, goyim and klipas synonymous. Me'efes, me'efes They're like considered like nothing before you. Okay. Ki hine Hashem. That behold your your enemies, Hashem. Ki hine oivercha yoivedu. Behold your 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 enemies. They will be lost, destroyed. These padu kol and they will be dispersed spread out all of the ones who do bad stuff and now it starts getting to the point it's like in it says well what does this mean nidoif can nidoif ashan tindoif does that mean it like smoke gets blown away how do you translate that tilim samaches ki hanidoif ashan tindoif anyway the next point is that this 
he himes doinag mipnei aish, like wax melting in front of the fire, like we say in um, in Kabbalah Shabbos. Yeah, the next one. And rishayim mipnei elokim, that the rishayim yevedu rishayim mipnei elokim, like wax melting before the fire, is how the rishayim will disappear by Hashem. Harim kadoinag mamasu. And the mountains, like wax, will will melt. And I'll just we'll finish off by saying this. This is really really beautiful. Is it says that in the end of days, Hashem is going to take off the Nartik, and His light's going to be visible for everyone. It says it's going to heal the tzaddikim, and it's going to burn up the rishayim. The same or, and we've just answered how that works beautifully. Why? What What does it mean, a Russia? A Russia means clipper. A Russia means aniva afsi oid. I am something unto myself. Ich bin a god. I am god. Or at least I am a god. Yeah, that's what it means to be a Russia. That's that's right, Rishus. So a Russia is a a person whose majority of his reality is that. I'm a Dava Bifnei Atzmai. I'm the Shani. We say, except for me, I'm a Shani. So when Hashem reveals himself, if a person is Ruboy, that, that disappears and he he's destroyed. Whereas the tzaddik is healed. Why? Because the tzaddik still has a shem. It's a little bit of klipa. A little bit. So when a shem reveals himself to the tzaddik, it heals him. It means it just burns off those little bits of those little bits of self-interest. That's that's what that means. Beautiful. Yeah. I have I have a few comments. Um yeah, just first of all, you said regarding the um you said in the beginning how fire blends into fire and you can't pinpoint, but an Evan is very different like that, right? Where it comes down and it, it creates its own. I just thought that was the godless of the rocks under Yaakov Vinu's head was that they were able to come together and blend um, something there. And there's also um, this whole terror you gave over here very much brought me through. That's the, one uh, second, one second. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Have to, you have to write that down, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have, have to. It, you have, have to. It's very important to write your chiddush. I wrote it. Down. I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Okay, and, very important uh, to have, like, have, an email. have a book, and you should write down all your chiddushim. Don't be lazy. Don't okay. be lazy. Hashem gets huge nachas from you writing okay. down your chiddushim. I know that. Yeah, sorry, go on. So, so a lot of the Torah you gave over here right now just reminds me of the Yud Gimel Karam and the Parshas Yira and Chuva, because also Yira we talked about and Chuva, the Etzim is what you're saying is Ava is. Because Ava is returning, essentially, as you want to return. That's a tshuva, right? So there are three parshas of that. I just, I don't have where Mun, parshas of Mun, Parnasa, comes into the whole picture. So we did the whole Yud Gimli Karam. We did the Animams and what makes a Yiddish a Neshama a full belief, real belief. And then we did all those. Fine, we walked through those. But how do we, what does what the whole Mun tie into all this? Have to think about it. Okay. Have a great day. You too. Same day.